Today's sponsor is Headspace. You slept every night of your life, so you should be pretty good at it by now, right? Unfortunately, many of us don't get the quality sleep that we need and could use a little bit of help, and that's where Headspace has got you covered. It's your daily dose of mindfulness in the form of guided meditations in an easy-to-use app. And while they have meditations devoted to helping you reduce stress and increase your overall sense of well-being, they have an entire library of sleep stories, sleep music, and other sleep sounds that can help you get the quality sleep you desperately need. And for busy lifestyles, they have what's called wind downs. It's meditations and breathing exercises that are as short as three minutes so they can fit into anybody's schedule. I personally use Headspace myself. I've tried out some of the sleep stuff. It actually works. Like to me, it actually makes a difference. So Headspace, it's backed by 25 published studies on its benefits, 600,000 five-star reviews. That's a lot. And over 60 million downloads. Try it today for free and start sleeping soundly. So right now, our listeners get 30% off Headspace's entire library of meditations. Just go to headspace.com slash sleep pod for 30% off your subscription, but only until May 12th. This is the best deal offered right now. Head to headspace.com slash sleep pod today. I want you to think back to when you were a kid, or maybe you are a kid right now, but either way, I want you to think about a hobby that really lit you up that you couldn't stop thinking about, that you would spend all your allowance money on. And I want you to imagine now doing that full-time as a business, having the time of your life, and making quite a bit of money doing so, plus the ability to help and connect and serve others too. Wouldn't that be great? Well, today we're talking with Nick, otherwise known as PokeyRev. Yes, Pokey, as in Pokemon. Nick is a prolific live streamer and YouTuber who has took his passion about Pokemon card collecting and turned it into an absolute empire. And I've gotten to know Nick very well over the past year, especially because it's only been about a year since he's been on YouTube and has grown to nearly 300,000 YouTube subscribers. And you can tell every time you watch him live, and I watch him live every single week, trust me, he's having the time of his life the audience that's there, sometimes thousands of people watching him live, they're so thankful for it. I am personally thankful for it. And there's some crazy stories that go along with this too that I'll tell you about in just a minute. But sit back, relax. This is gonna be a fun one with Nick from PokeyRev. Let's start the show. Welcome to the Smart Passive Income Podcast, where it's all about working hard now so you can sit back and reap the benefits later. And now your host, if he could have any superpower, it would be the ability to tell stories people wouldn't want to miss. Pat Flynn. What's up? Welcome to the Smart Passive Income Podcast. My name is Pat Flynn, here to help you make more money, save more time, and help more people too. And today, we're talking with a really good friend of mine, Nick from PokeyRev. You can find him on YouTube, P-O-K-E-R-E-V is the name of his channel. And like I said earlier, he's just grown like crazy over the past year and I'm just really excited to unpack everything from not just his origin story and how this all got started for him and it, th there's a very interesting tie-in in fact to Smart Passive Income because he used to listen to the podcast years ago in fact and he tells that story and how this show in fact inspired him to get started not with the Pokemon stuff he found that later but with some other stuff too and he'll unpack that for us a little bit and then I want to get into his work ethic we talk about his revenue streams how he diversifies and just kind of his his workflow and 
productivity schedule and some of the stuff that he is running into right now as a result of the fast and rapid growth, which I think is very important to hear. So make sure you stick around for that. And if this sounds familiar to you, you might remember episode 464, where in fact, I actually speak about a little side project that I put together during the pandemic over the last few months in the Pokemon space. I started a YouTube channel called Deep Pocket Monster, and if you wanna hear more about that and, and how I was able to fit that in and sort of how it's been going, you can check that out in episode 464. But for right now, this is all about Nick and his story. Again, you can find him at PokeRev on YouTube. Man, he's awesome. Here he is. What's up, Nick? Welcome to the Smart Passive Income Podcast. Thanks for being here, man. Yeah, thanks for having me. You know, I'm really excited to dive into your story because you and I have just gotten to know each other recently as I deeply step into the world of Pokemon, which is where you're known from. And you have this amazing channel called PokeRev. And I first saw you actually on Gary V and you started opening packs on his on his channel. And I was like, what is this guy doing? I come to your channel and like, now I'm a mod in your live streams. Like I'm that involved now. And I've just come to appreciate everything you do. And I can't wait to unpack these stories. And so I'd love to know, like if you were to describe to anybody who doesn't know who you are yet, how would you describe what it is that you do? So I'd say kind of like a combination of a lot of different things that just kind of mold together. But pretty much what I do is YouTube full time. And the cool part about it is it's a bunch of my passions just combined together, business, Pokemon, nostalgia, and just kind of building communities. And it's just sort of all just kind of molds together. And then that's what you got. And when did you start your YouTube channel? Uh, I started the channel a little over a year ago. So a little over a year ago. And I know you're keeping track of the sub numbers and the sub numbers are just one component of success. And it really doesn't mean much if you're not helping your audience, which you are. But just to give people some perspective from a year ago till now, how many subscribers do you have currently? So was able to get to 240,000. That's crazy, dude. Like, how does that feel to have that kind of rapid growth? Like, I know that's not what you expected because you had said that you'd wanted at least 100,000 by the end of the year. And that's a, that was like a stretch goal. And here you are two and a half times that. What's going through your head now that you've seen this quarter million, you know, people following you now? You know, it's always grateful, like super, super grateful and always feel like it's something that, you know, you work as hard as you can. But at the end of the day, you don't know exactly what that's going to convert to numbers wise as you said again that's just one component of it is the numbers but you kind of you just do your thing and you, you keep pushing it and you just kind of see what happens and where i fell after a year of being on youtube was somewhere way 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 further than i had imagined that i could get to in one year like you said the stretch goal was a hundred thousand subscribers which was just that one hundred thousand subscribers it was the goal that you write down that you put on like as the very, very best scenario, like everything goes perfectly times a hundred. And then on top of that, just, just everything goes perfectly. But what happened was it just went well beyond anything that I could have ever imagined. So at the end of the day, I'm still sitting here thinking like, how is this, <laughs> how is this still moving? Like, how are we still <laughs> able to do this? So as far as how, like how, how do you, in your words, how do you think this all happened? Why do you think it's growing so quickly? Well, there's a bunch of different factors, I would say. Number one, I think the most important is really doing something different. You know, like being unique and trying to do things that other people are not doing. Because if you're doing the same thing as other people, there's no reason for people to 
come to my channel, come to the community, be a part of it because they can get that from a thousand other places. If you can create something unique that people actually enjoy and would like to be a part of and are entertained or informed or whatever it is, that's how you can build. That's one, again, this is all one of, there's all these different components and that's one of the components to it, I think. Being in the community myself, I see exactly the kind of effect that you have with your crowd, your subscribers, your followers, your the pokey cave, as, as you call it. I very much feel like a member. I am a paying member within the stream as well. And, you know, I see people commenting like, hey, I've been watching you for six hours straight. I see people who are like, hey, back again for the 30th time in a row. Or, you know, hey, I like had a dream about you last night. Like how, like that doesn't just happen, right? And, and there's, of course, a lot of, YouTubers who have way more followers even who don't have that kind of connection with their audience. I'd love to know what specific things that you know you do that helps with that, to help make people feel like they belong to the community. That's a really cool question. So one of the real big things that I think is another big component of it is sort of that interactivity, the almost like the one-on-one sort of experience because one of the unique things that I kind of feel like I brought to the table was the really getting into the live stream aspect of this thing where, you know, whoever wants to be a part of this community can sit down during a live stream, say what's up, you know, and I try, you know, I try to talk back to as many people as I can. And, you know, I say, how you doing? How's your day? And, you know, thank you for being in the poker cave, which I do truly appreciate anybody that shows up and actually takes time out of their day to sit down and say, yo, what's up, Rev? And just sort of that, I feel like it's a closer sort of connection with 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 the community, the audience, and every and not only just meet with the community, but the actual community themselves because everyone's sitting in there chatting away, talking about what they're collecting, what they're doing. And not only that, one of the other things is they can even have their packs opened up on the channel. So they can actually grab packs from the Poke Cave and I'll actually, you know, open the packs for them. So it's they're a part of essentially they are a part of the content. They are in the video in a way. Yeah, and, and that was going to actually lead to my next question, which is like, why are people paying you to open their packs? And I think you just said it exactly. They're, they're now a part of it and they almost get a little bit of recognition. And I do notice you do a very good job despite there being seven, 8,000 people in the room, by the way, which is insane. Because every morning I go live, I get, you know, two, 300 and that's in and of itself a hard time often. And then you have, you know, way more. And I think a part of what has helped that is you've done a good job of selecting certain people in the audience to be moderators and whatnot. And that, you know, there's very specific strategies related to live streams and such. But I think you're absolutely right. It's that connection. And you actually root for people. Like, I can feel that when you pull a, a big card and, you know, you you mention that person's name, you congratulate them. Everybody's sort of in it together. It's almost like we're watching a sports game, but you're just opening mm-hmm. card packs. And I, I know there's a lot of, like, older people in the audience who... Or like, what is even Pokemon? It's these trading cards. Like, can you speak to the like the psychology and the energy and the just to help those who are like, I just don't understand what the appeal is of these pieces of cardboard with these creatures on them that, yeah, for some reason they have value. But more than that, they're bringing this community together and they're making people feel good about themselves. Can you speak to that? Yeah. So let's take a look at from the outside, right? People looking in. And I've even had people, plenty of people that stumble across during even a live stream and they jump in and they just have no idea what is happening at all. Like, like not the slightest clue. You just see a guy sitting here opening cards, screaming and, and, you know, going over the top with everything, getting excited with everybody. So it's really 
getting into that mindset of sort of like the collectible aspect of it and then nostalgia point is another big thing that kind of drives people to want to do this so collectibles right that in itself you could talk about you could write you know books on that which there are plenty are out there but to get a certain item that other people cannot have is something that people really enjoy if you can pull this card that you're one of a very select few people that own and not only that you own it in a perfect condition is you're a select few of people that own that special special piece of cardboard at the end of the day it's cardboard but it's more than that to a lot of people a lot of people have special connections with these characters because they grew up with them i know myself i grew up with them as a kid i'd watch the show i'd collect the cards and it's all coming back full force as an adult going down memory lane opening a pack of cards is like it feels like i'm still i'm i'm sitting in the car you know with my family we're we're driving to go get breakfast at the diner and we stop on the way to the card shop and we grab a couple packs and i'm sitting there opening them up in the car on the way hoping to get that the charizard you know the blastoise these are all these pokemon that as kids we wanted to collect because we saw them on tv we played the games and it just becomes a part of people's identity there's a lot of people listening who are probably very much admiring the way that you've been able to combine your passion part of your childhood to now what it is that you do for work and to support your family and, and whatnot. But I also know some people who have tried to go down this route, taking a hobby and interest that they might have, turning it into a business and then completely hating it, completely feeling like it's now work and it's not fun anymore. Have you ever felt those feelings of, oh my gosh, I got to do this again? Or has it always been great? And then how do you balance the hobby versus the business and stay sane, I guess? So with me, I have a pretty long history of sort of, I guess you could say entrepreneurship or just doing sort of my own thing on the business side of it. So I feel like I'm very well versed on the business side of things. And the thing with me, that's a lot of people, I'm not the only one, but a lot of people for business, that is another passion and hobby. So it's almost as if I'm fused both of these passions and hobbies together. So if it is leaning more one way on the business side or if it's leaning one way on the collectible side or the nostalgia side, I'm fine with it because I actually enjoy both of those ends of it. There's not one part of it that I, I'm like, you know what? I don't like this aspect of it. I don't like, you know, the, the business side of it and, and things like that because I do enjoy that. And so for me, it just works out, but I could see how it could kind of go the other way for some people and be like, you know, what? I don't like, I don't like diving that deep into the business side of it, or I don't like diving that deep into the collectible side of it. Right, right. I, I had a friend of mine, her name is Shalene Johnson. She's been on the show before. She is an avid snowboarder, loves snowboarding, had this opportunity to create a clothing line in the snowboarding space, went to a couple of meetings with some business people and just realized that, wow, this was going to completely affect her love for snowboarding. And it was just going to become a chore and a job and a business now. And she just wouldn't be able to enjoy the slopes anymore. And it's really cool. I'm, I'm curious to know if you think that in order to succeed with a business about a hobby or a passion that you have, you you have to also learn to love the business side as well. Hmm. I never really thought of it like that. I guess you could say in a way, you really have to make smart choices. But also, I still have seen plenty of people that have just strictly been on the collectible side of it and zero business side of it whatsoever. And out of pure just interest and just going after what you enjoy and what you want to collect, that in itself has made some of the biggest collectors in the hobby with some of the most valuable collections purely, purely 
for just collecting purposes for personal passion. I mean, there's guys in this hobby that have been doing it for five years, 10 years. And you can imagine with the boom of Pokemon over the years, their collection that maybe just say, for example, that, you know, they spent over five or 10 years, $100,000 on. And then to today, the number is just out of this world, all just because they're collected it and they went for all these things that they wanted and they never sold anything and they just kept putting a little bit, you know, their whatever their budget is for the week, if it's, you know, a couple hundred, 500 or a thousand a week, putting that in consistently every week and not knowing one day they'd have millions and millions of dollars of these Pokemon cards. So we're actually at that point now where we have a lot of these collectors that were purely into it for collecting and they've got to this sort of crossroad where it's like, should I start selling some of this stuff that I love yeah. because it is worth so much money and it could actually change my life? So actually, I, I don't think that you need to be in the business mindset to succeed with it. It is a way to get to that sort of road, that same road or that same path, but there's different ways to get to it. And I think purely on the collectible side, you can reach the same place. I want to dive a little deeper into what you just said, because now I'm wondering, you know, if some of the cards I'm investing in right now end up being worth a ton of money later. I know this is different for everybody, but how do you approach the idea of selling versus keeping? Where's that line for you? So for me, there are certain things I have in my collection that I just am not planning on selling at all, no matter what the price is. No number could do it. No number, if it, you know, if it's like, you know, in, in the millions or whatever, it still would be something where I still would be happier with it. But you get to a certain point where, for example, something like a Pikachu Illustrator, no matter what that value is at the, like, say, you know, it's, it's millions and millions of dollars or whatever, the collector has to know and has to realize that when they sell this piece, they're in a spot where they're most likely never going to get that again, that card. So mm-hmm. as one of the most historic pieces, most collectible and most sought after pieces, and that's kind of what it boils down to for that type of stuff. Of course, there's a lot of different things in my collection that if it were to reach a certain number, I'd be happy to move it. I'd be happy to sell it and know that that sort of that money, you know, sometimes it, it can be life-changing for a lot of people. So for some people, if it is life-changing, they'll sell it. If there's a certain thing that you want to achieve in your life and you know that you can get there by selling this this thing that you that you, you know, cherish so much, you know, they might sell it, but it's different for every collector because there are guys I know that will never will never sell these pieces in their collection because it's a part of their identity. It's a part of their identity. I mean, there is the one scenario with I'm sure you saw it with Gary King Pokémon where he had his Charizards and he got to that He's had so many offers over the years, you know, declining all the offers and, and just holding on to them until one day he was faced with that choice, that that real choice where he was like, you know what? If I sell this, you know, it's going to go to a really good home. And I could see it definitely looked like it hurt. You know, it definitely looked like it was taking a piece of his identity almost. And when he sold it, you could kind of feel it. It's almost like you could feel it. It was it was like a strange sort of scenario, but I felt it. It was weird. It was like he he sold this piece that he's had his well, probably most of his life. Like you'd almost feel it like like a piece of him. <laughs> like yeah. So that's what it that's what it is. That's a that's a scenario where you can watch that 
on a video and you could see that that's the same feeling that all these other collectors might have when they sell that piece from their collection. Yeah, I mean, we're talking about Logan Paul, who has been in the news over the years for many, many different things. Most of it not so great. But he has definitely done something in the world of Pokemon with his recent sort of attention to it. And he's the person who went to Gary and, and purchased this for $200,000 or something like that. And, and I saw that too, and you could see it in Gary's eyes. And I think that Gary also knew that this was done not just for Logan Paul, but for the entire world of Pokemon. I think he knew what he was doing and knew that it was going to help everybody and more people get into it, which it definitely did. And when Logan Paul did the live break and opened cards and all these things happened and I mean, that's a part of the reason why I got back into it was just because because he made the spectacle and it made it look more fun and I got back into it and then I found you and so many other people in this beautiful space. And this speaks to the 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 world of of influencers and and I and and you know, whether you think you are or not, like you are an influencer now in the positive sense, right? You have the ability to say, go get these cards and people will get them, or this card is worth something and it can move the market literally now. How do you deal with that responsibility? What, what goes through your head when it comes to, and, and I, I go through the same thing. If I say, hey, get this software product, it's gonna help your business, like people will get it. So I have a vetting process for what I say and what I don't, but I'm curious your thoughts on your responsibility now with such a large audience. And I mean, honestly, a, a lot of young people who may spend money, right? So yeah. how does that feel? What do you do? So when I first was jumping into it, and I would bring up a product or something purely that I had in my collection that I wanted to show, or I would do a weekly series where once a week I'd show all the products that I purchased from my collection and I'd show them. And I didn't realize because I was never in that mentality of what I'm saying can affect markets, can affect people on how they collect or what they collect and what they perceive as a certain value for a certain item. So for a while, I actually really did not fully understand the extent of it. But then going back to like what you said, when Logan Paul entered Pokemon, if you go on search trends on Google and you type in Pokemon cards, I mean, the day he dropped that, that video that he was in Pokemon, it's like this, stayed up there. I mean, it came down a bit, but it's still much, much higher right now than it, it has been. So that right there goes to show you that one person can have a massive effect on markets. And like you said, you jumped in thousands and thousands of people jumped in from that sort of that sale that Gary had for Logan, because then that sort of sort of catapulted it, the, the, the rush to get the Charizard, the desire to get these rare cards. I mean, it had a massive effect, but day to day, the one thing that I know, and that I sort of tend to think about mostly when, whenever I'm bringing up sort of these Pokemon cards or specific cards is that I know that when I say it, I purely, I have no sort of like sponsorship deals with, with any of these like Pokemon or any of these other things or any sort of like other reason than to say, oh, this is a cool product. First edition rocket, you know, I purchased this or, you know, the dark Charizard in this set is worth X amount because I'm looking at the statistics on the market and that's sort of what it's going for. I'm looking at the now and I don't sort of, when people ask me questions like, oh, do you think this is going to be worth like this? in a year or two years, or is it going to be worth less, more? I tend to just stick to setting it as, you know, I really don't know. You know, I have no idea what, I, I really don't. I have no idea if this card's going to be worth like this or if it's going to go like this, but I just can see what's happening right now. And that's sort of what information I bring to the table. So purely, basically what I enjoy, what I'm collecting and what I see as things that people are picking up and sort of just bring attention to what's happening. 
on the market right now. But again, even doing that has an effect because it's bringing more attention to it. I do, I do think you're doing it very well, especially with the size audience you have. It never has ever felt like you were pushing anybody to do anything, really. It's just, here's what's happening, here's what it is, and, you know, please make your own decisions, and, you know, that's that's it. Whereas, you know, I know there's other channels which are like, yo, this is hot right now, go get it. And it it literally, like right now, we're seeing this massive price increase with these full art trainers, and it's just like kind of ridiculous. And, you know, we know certain YouTubers who have had a hand in that and whatnot, but at the same time, it's, again, it's whose fault is it, really? I, I don't know. There's there's so much psyche involved in this, and we could talk for days about collecting and human psychology and just the mob mentality and all these all, all these sorts of things. But I, I'd love to get to, to to know your business a little bit more. So we know you open packs and people purchase these packs on your live streams, which is really cool. Can you share and reveal if you are comfortable, like other means by which you are generating an income? You don't have to express how much, but just what are all the avenues that you have to work with? And we'll start there. Yeah. So one thing I do want to say is, I don't know if your audience is aware or not, but I've been following you for about a decade now. And it's sort of like this pretty crazy chain of events that got us to this sort of moment um, in time (laughs) that we've linked together. It's pretty crazy because as a teenager and as a kid, I had always wanted to sort of escape that nine to five, that office job that, you know, wasn't specific. It wasn't really what I wanted to do. So I would go online and I would look up all these sort of different ways to get like passive income, right? So all these different things. And I, I stumbled upon you and I started looking at your website and, and, and checking out your monthly reports that you'd have on there and all these things and, and affiliate marketing and learning about all these different things. So whenever I sort of like think about a business, I think of all those different sources of income that can come from it. So with the channel and with Pokemon, there's there are a lot of different streams of revenue, right? So there's of course the booster box openings where you know we open up a booster box of of packs. Most of the time there's 36 in there. The packs get sold and then you know that's a source of income. Another source of income is sort of grading cards and selling the cards because you can open packs and you can grade the cards. Basically with grading cards is you send them out to a company, they grade it on a scale one to 10, 10 being the most valuable. And there's ways to do that where you can send in, you can buy collections and you can send in cards to these grading companies. And when you get them back, they could be worth substantially more because of their conditions. And if you have a good eye for it, you can find these things and you can, you can hunt down these collections and you can send them out and you can get them back. Right now, a lot of people are doing that because of how big the market's getting, how popular Pokemon is getting. And all these companies are so backed up. If you send these cards out, it could take up to a year to get back or more. So that's another source of revenue is the graded cards and selling those and all all the other sort of products that come in. So modern stuff that you get at distributor level, the newest product comes out. There's 10 different items for it, putting stocking all those items up and selling all those items. Another source of revenue would be I have a membership on my YouTube channel where it's a monthly fee, but you have access to all these different perks. It's it's basically like YouTube's response to Twitch with the Twitch subscriptions, basically the same thing. You pay a certain amount monthly to your to a creator, and the creator, you know, gets a certain percentage of that, which is actually they take quite a bit. <laughs> YouTube takes quite a lot. Yeah, thirty percent, I think, right? Yeah, thirty, thirty percent. Yeah, and then that's you know another stream right there, and then that kind of ties into selling the packs as well. And then you know other revenue streams, of course, is going to be 
when you dive into YouTube. So every time somebody watches a video, you know, and they have an ad, they get, you know, you get paid a certain percentage for running the ad. So there's ads. You know, another thing is super chats again, YouTube's response to Twitch with sort of the donation things. When people are watching live streams, they sometimes will send a donation to sort of like, you know, support their creator that they're watching. But yeah, it's it's all the different streams that allow me to be able to do this full time. All those kind of together, they they work out, right? Because you <laughs> you don't want to depend on just the one. If you have one, you know, if it's if you're at the nine to five, you got your one income and that's it. But you know, as as the channel grows and as things grow, starting to get the different streams come in. And that's that's the main reason that again that I was able to just keep keep going with it and and keep building it to be able to do it as a full time thing. You also forgot the hot sauce, the sauce. As, as it is. And it's interesting because I remember watching Gary Vee a while back on his channel talking about how I think it was BMW should make razors, right? Like these brands who have clout, who have followers, who have fans, fanatics, really, who will buy anything, who will, you know, buy a BMW razor or an Audi hairbrush or whatever, right? And we see Tesla doing the same thing with their Tesla tequila and their short shorts and all the, like there's a Tesla surfboard that was sold back in the day that I missed out on. And it's like, I really want that because I'm a fan of Tesla. And then here you are coming out with Zoss and I'm like probably one of the first to order it. And it's actually really good, by the way. So I don't, for those kinds of things, was that just another company you worked with that could sort of white label the the sauce and, you know, you smack your label on it and sell it because it's working and I see people all the time talking about it. Is that how it works? Yeah. So basically like sort of private label it or, or whatever you want to call it. Yeah. But because I have experience again, going back like over the years of, of trying different things and I would, uh, sort of create different products over the years. So I had experience with that. And I was like, you know what? I mean, it's it sort of, it ties into the theme of the channel too. If, if, if for people that do watch the channel, they know like the Zoss and, and all that stuff that we say. And it kind of just clicked one day. And actually my buddy kind of, I created the the image and I didn't know what I was going to use it for. And it was me with, I was like, I, I sent it out on one of those, I forget the website that runs a competition. And I said, you know, I want something that's maybe with me in it that has something to do with hot sauce or or whatever. And then I got it and I was like, I was going to put it on a shirt. And I was like, it's a little, it's it's pretty over the top for a shirt. And I don't know. And then my buddy was like, why don't you just put it on, why don't you just have hot sauce? You say sauce all the time. I was like, dude, so good. Uh, and then I was like, uh, and he knows if he tells me something and I say I'm doing it, I'm like, I'm doing it. <laughs> so I did it yeah. and we got him in and it, it's, it, it, was, it was really cool. But yeah, the merch, the merch and everything is another source too that I forgot of uh, income. For anybody listening, if you want to check out Pokey Rev, you can check him out on YouTube. Obviously, you can see what he's doing. You're very consistent with your work. And I do want to get into your work ethic and how you stay on top of things because you're going live, I don't know, five, six times a week. You're doing videos almost daily now. I know it's a lot of work and I'd love to dig into that. But also, I would just recommend everybody listening to check it out, if anything, to get a feel for what a like rabid community is like. And you coming in from the outside are going to come in and go, what the heck is going on? Just like you said earlier, like people aren't going to understand anything. You're not going to know the words that are being said. You're, gonna, you're not going to understand what is going on. But that proves that it doesn't matter. You can create this tribe who follows you because you all speak the same language, right? And you all can come together and enjoy each other's company because everybody else on the outside doesn't get it, right? And that's, I know why a lot of people come to you is because they can't talk about these things with their friends or their family because they just don't get it. So they come here into the community, they can talk to each other. And I've gotten to know people. I've gotten to know, you know, Jeff the Ref and Blastoise93 and Julio and, you know, just so many great people in the community, especially the other mods that you've selected to sort of keep the show running. But 
it truly is something that, especially during these days, it's like, I thank you when you hit 200,000 because it definitely filled the hole of like, oh, I just haven't had that place to go and chill with the guys, right? And talk like about random things together. And here I am in the chat opening Pokemon cards with you and everybody else. It's like, dude, thank you for that. You, it, it, go into PokeRev, see what it's like, check out his live streams. It's ridiculous. It's awesome. It's it's entertainment. And so I'd love to ask you on that. I mean, you're live for five, six hours at a time. You're opening packs, you're communicating. Tell me about how you get in the right mindset before you go live. Traditionally, and I'm just going to call you out, you're a little bit late to your launches. It says it's going to start at one. It starts at like 104. <laughs> and I'm just like, that's okay, because actually it probably helps with the algorithm. But I'm like, what's going through Rev's head right now, like right before you go live? What do you say to yourself? So many people are scared to do that. So what happens and goes through your head during that time? Yeah, so I don't have the sort of like stream starting soon thing that pops up. Don't need to get into all the reasons for that, but basically going into a little bit, but with the algorithm, right? So when I'm preparing to go live, it is sort of getting into that mindset, sort of clearing out everything. If anything's going on throughout the day, if you got, you know, something came up and 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 trying to deal with that beforehand, sort of clearing it all out, sitting down, putting the music on is a big thing. Putting on music and and it's sort of the music that I have running throughout the stream, but I can hear it a lot louder in my headset. So getting that going and just getting excited to to open these packs up because I know everybody is going to be excited. So me being excited as well for it, I feel like sort of definitely brings the vibe, sort of like pulls it in together because there's all different sorts of content creators that have their own style. You know, some people just want to sit back, not say a word, and there's nothing wrong with any of the different styles and just, you know, open up the packs. Me personally, I just really enjoy sort of like really getting into it. So yeah, other than that, just just getting excited to to open up the packs because actually I, I truly enjoy opening them up. Even if we are going for, you know, five or six hours, it's still always fun because I know when I'm opening up somebody's packs, they're literally sitting there like on the edge of their seat waiting for their name to get called. And they're just, some of these people wait weeks, more than a month, some people wait. So I want to make sure every single person that gets their packs opened up has that that experience of being a part of it. If I'm slacking even a little bit on on people for 20 minutes, 30 minutes, that to me is it doesn't feel right because it's almost like you, you want to make sure everybody is is treated the same and fairly and equally throughout it. So that's another reason. But I think I hit most most of what I do before. Thank you for that. I I now know you're just kind of hyping yourself up, which I which I definitely think is important and mm -hmm. You know, I'm I'm going to, you know, you might hate me for this, but I'm going to also encourage everybody to watch like your first videos because, and, and this is for any, like you go to any successful YouTuber, if they've kept their archive, I mean, it's such an inspirational place to be because they have no idea what they're doing. And if you go to MKBHD, one of the top tech reviewers here, his first 100 videos were for his first 100 subscribers. You go to Mr. Beast, that's just like the worst quality. He's using his phone's microphone. I mean, it's not great. And look where he is now. And I remember you shared a video when you hit 200,000. It was like, I don't, I don't remember the title, but it was just basically a quick account of where you started to where you are now and very clear difference between like your first early videos where you literally say like, I have no idea what I'm doing and the camera angle's weird, the lighting's off and stuff. At what point in the journey did you feel that you finally got your groove? I feel like I finally got my groove after about, a month of when I started the live streaming. So I think I started live streaming maybe three or four months into the channel, 
maybe three months in. So I would say probably like three to four months is when I really started feeling my groove. And it was really only because I started doing the live streams. They just loosen you up. I mean, it's just no other way to put it. It's like, I encourage people to try live streams. A lot of people are very hesitant because they're afraid of, of, of what they're going to say, how they're going to say it, if they're going to mess up, what people are going to say during the live. But really, it's like you get thrown in and you come out like a thousand times better because you're, you're interacting one-on-one with people. Before when I started, I would record and I, I, like, I just couldn't feel or, or know exactly what the people were thinking or saying on the other side of the camera. Recorded videos are amazing as well, obviously, because of how you can cut them up and how you can make them really fun and, and, and way more sort of like dialed in than alive with, you know, no sort of like downtime or, or any like sort of like slow down moments on there. But the live stream is just something that it does when you have people, you see people are watching you and they're interacting back with you and they're laughing back with you. It's almost like you're sitting there now instead of just talking to the camera and now you're talking to hundreds or thousands of people and they're responding back to you and you're having, it's like you're hanging out. So you loosen up naturally and just doing that consistently got me a million times better on camera. And then like the behind the scenes stuff of just sort of like implementing these little upgrades my goal was every stream or every video was to improve on at least one thing. You know, it doesn't matter what it was, you know, audio quality, video quality, lighting, setup, like just one thing. Because I would get, a lot of people get overwhelmed. Like I was super overwhelmed in the beginning. I'm like, oh my gosh, like what am I going to, how's the lights go? Like, how's this go? How am I going to do this? How am I going to do that? What, but the editing, like so many things. So I took a step back and I was like, okay, I'm going to do the most basic setup and just improve it. One little thing every time you do that for months, weeks, or a year, and you know, you've, you've improved on so many things throughout that time. That's such great advice. Thank you for that. I think we, especially as entrepreneurs and us, us who have like squirrel syndrome, we're trying to do all the things we often like overcomplicate. And I think just taking small micro improvements every time is such great advice. We, we definitely need to do that. Very similar to what James Clear says in his book, Atomic Habits, like small incremental improvements means so much and they can compound. And I think, I definitely think that's great. You always comment when I see a comment like this on your channel, the comments that you really kind of pause at and you pay attention to are when people say, you know, hey Rev, I'm here with my kid. We're watching the channel together. Like the fact, like, what does that mean to you? Because you always seem to pause and like, just kind of reflect on that. I'm curious what's going through your head or, or what you're feeling when people say that to you, they're there with their kids and they're watching you and they're hanging out together. And it's like, you're providing that entertainment and, and, and making them happy. It's almost sort of like realizing a sort of, almost like a dream coming to reality. Because most of my life, I actually really did want to be a content creator, specifically on YouTube. And I remember when when YouTube sort of started picking up and it was a brand new thing in I was probably, I think I was a freshman in high school and I just started seeing like these normal people becoming content creators and and people were watching them and really watching them. And then it just kept going and picking up momentum. And I, I almost thought to myself, like, I feel like all these people are, they're just, they're normal people, but they're taking that, that risk, that shot and just putting themselves out there and doing it. And so I had always thought like, wow, how, how crazy would it be if I, if I could like bring something like sort of entertainment or even just a, a way for families or, or groups of friends or whatever to like sit down and 
gather and 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 sort of like bond like what's crazy to me is thinking that i am helping create memories for like families so like a father or you know like a, a parents and their kids or you know a father and a daughter or son it's crazy to think that you know one day they might be like yo remember when we used to watch pokemon openings all the times and open the packs like i remember that as a kid and, and then they're older now and it's like crazy to think about like how you can impact people's lives like it's just that that always and and that's cool that you that you picked up on that because i i really i, I see that and it's just like wow like i'm so happy that i could actually do that for to to provide that to to somebody yeah no, no and thank you personally from my family to yours i mean i've commented the same thing and you go yo pat dude hey kids welcome thanks for watching and i'm just like they get so stoked right they're jumping around rev said hi like it's like amazing and they get stoked. I, you are doing just that dude you're creating memories and that's that's super cool and you know, this is what happens when you show up consistently. You know, I see the same people in the in the chats every single time. People have now have a routine sort of watching you and listening to you. And that's that's incredible. The final point I want to make before we finish up, and again, thank you for this. It's inspirational. You've inspired also many people to create their own channels now in, in a very similar way. You've that you were inspired by others. You've inspired me to create my channel at Deep Pocket Monster. And that's been such a fun ride. And I've been just enjoying life so much more having the push to then create a channel about something not about business, not that I hate business at all. I love it, but just some, something different, something to give me a, another flavor of life. And, and, and thank you for that, truly. I know that the case for many entrepreneurs is the fact that, you know, they're not successful all by themselves. There's always other people involved. There's all, always other friends, even competitors, even that they partner with or, or hang out with or, or what have you. Might you be able to share you know, two or three people who have helped you get to where you're at today in some way, shape or form? Yeah. Well, definitely my, my parents, because they always would push for, for me to, you know, sort of try to further, you know, myself. I mean, always just, you know, saying you can do it, you know, just, just like building confidence up for myself which I feel like if they if they weren't like that then I'd be far less likely to to be doing these things and trying these things because as a if you're a kid and you're constantly have you know your parents or your guardians saying you know oh you did a really good job like it actually has a really big impact on people and kids growing up so I, I always had that as like uh my family just saying hey you can do it or, oh great job like keep trying keep trying so and I sort of just like started falling into this mentality of like I can do it if I keep trying so I that's my parents right there I'm trying to think over the years it's it's a lot of a lot of the, the successful you know sort of business people as well seeing what 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 they have achieved like again going back like i've really followed a lot of your stuff for for many years so you as well pat Thank have you. definitely had a, a big impact on me like honestly stepping back like it's so trippy that when i found you and i was like becoming a fan <laughs> of you you told me that you would actually listen to me back in the day. Like that's so, <laughs> the world's so crazy like that. Like the fact that that happened. And so you're saying you're getting inspiration from a lot of others who've perhaps paved the way in a different way. And then you've been able to create your own path kind of thing. Yeah, just doing different things. Like another, I don't know if you've, uh, Chris Green is another gentleman that I would, I read his books and stuff and he was really into sort of, he still is in, in getting big on Amazon because that was one of the the big things that, helped me throughout the years too is I, I got on Amazon and started, you know, creating my own products and, and buying and selling and retail arbitrage and all that stuff. So that was a big one to sort of to read that and, and think a lot more about. 
I think a lot of people read, you know, Rich Dad, Poor Dad, um, that one yeah. I read too. And, and, and just always sort of like researching online and, and just reading as much as I can. I feel like I've gotten a lot of information from a lot of different people. Awesome. And, and, and finally, to, to continue that, I know that you have this beautiful family, a couple amazing kids and, and, a, and a wife. And how do you manage your business and family, keep things balanced? I know you're a big family man, just like myself. So what do you put into place being an online entrepreneur where literally you could work all the time if you wanted to? How do you turn off your work so you can turn on with your family? That's the, one of the biggest challenges I face, honestly. And the balance has definitely been getting sort of like out of in the wrong direction that I want to be at. So I want to, you know, bring that back into more of a balance because with the growth of the channel and and all these different things I'm trying to implement, you know, one of the most important things is figuring out sort of like the best way to do something so you don't spend as much time on it. So as I grow the channel and all these different new sort of ways of going about things, I implement ways to make things much easier and much quicker. And and I'm still in the process of of doing that right now, but just putting things in the place that that streamline things much better for you, I think is is very important. Streamlining things is like incredibly important. I, I agree. And that, and that I think you've done the first thing right, which is just like knowing that it's kind of getting maybe a little bit out of balance. And that's that's the first step always is just noticing that. And that way it doesn't get too far to one side or the other. And I'm still dealing with that as well. 12 years into entrepreneurship, that's, it's an ongoing battle. And there's always new things. There's always new opportunities. It's, it's the ongoing sort of paradigm of, of entrepreneurship. And I'm just very grateful that you spent some time with us today to be very honest, to also inspire. And again, everybody should check out PokeRev, P-O-K-E-R-E-V on YouTube. And you also have thepokecave.com if everybody wants to see your sort of e-commerce site and where things happen there. It's just a crazy world that many people probably have no idea what's like. And I think Going in there, you get a sense of what it's like to be somebody who actually cares for a large community and how they're able to still manage it really well. I think you do a fantastic job of it. And I'm looking forward to all the next content that you come out with. I'll be there in the lives. I'll be supporting the chat. And anybody from the Poke Cave who's listening to this, thank you for taking the time. And any final pieces of advice for the creators out there who might not be at a quarter million subscribers yet, but you know, they're just getting started. What would you tell them before we finish up today? I would say really quickly consistency whether it's one video a week or five a week but not pushing yourself too far be consistent do what you can without going over the top and and burning out you don't want to burn out so be consistent try to be engaged do stuff that is completely try to be as unique as possible don't do what every single other person is doing because you won't be able to sort of grow in the way that you are visioning. So do things that are unique, do things not only that are unique, but people truly enjoy watching and make sure you're truly enjoying it. Be yourself above all things, be yourself. Don't, don't try to be somebody that you're not uh, because you're not going to enjoy it. And you're just going to get deeper into that sort of mentality of not being yourself and it's not going to be good. So be yourself, make sure you're having fun with it. And I mean, at the end of the day, you, you could go much further than you, ever could have imagined. I mean, I'll be honest with you. I never, especially growing up, I would have never imagined that I'd be on your podcast, Pat. So I appreciate you having me on. And if I looked back and I was talking to myself 10 years ago, I would have been like, you're right. <laughs> but here we are. Dude, and here you are, man. And it's, it's well-deserved. appreciate you so much. Pokey Rev on YouTube and keep on going, man. You're inspiring a lot of people, myself included. Thank you. Thanks, man. Thanks for having me on.
All right, I hope you enjoyed that interview with Nick. And Nick, thank you so, so much for your honesty, your vulnerability, and just giving us some insight on how you do what you do. It's very inspiring to me as a YouTuber, not just a YouTuber in the Pokemon space, but just a YouTuber in general, and to see what you've done with this community. Again, thousands of people live. In fact, I was on a live stream of yours just a couple of weeks ago, in fact, that had over 10,000 people literally watching live. And as a moderator in there, of course, I'm in there and I'm sort of, you know, smashing all the spam and getting it out of the way and making sure everything's clean. And then I discovered that there was a person who was participating in your pack opening who was from Germany. And his audience was watching on Twitch. And his audience had over 100,000 people watching live. So you had over 110,000 people, and who knows who else around the world was also streaming this on Twitch. It's huge, man. And I'm just very stoked to see that, you know, Smart Passive Income in the podcast was just even just a, a little bit of your story in the very beginnings and how you've taken this passion of yours and turned it into something great. And to give you all a little bit of an update, these pack openings that Rev has done, uh, he's actually recently decided to stop them. He was very honest and very open with this on his YouTube channel recently about how it was just taking up so much time and how it was getting into a lot of family time. And what I love about Nick as well is he's very much a family person just like I am, very humble as well. And he was just, you know what, guys? This is taking over my life. I can't do this anymore in the way that it was going to be done. So we're gonna do it a little differently. And he was very upfront and even got the audience involved in uh, the decision-making process. And everybody's so supportive. And, and I think that's a great demonstration of how, you know, what got you here won't get you there. It's a great demonstration of what we all experience when we grow a business, growing pains as sometimes it's called, and you handled it with grace. And uh, it's been a good example for everybody. So thank you so, so much, Nick, for coming on the show. Thank you, everybody, for listening through and getting the update. Make sure to check out the upcoming episode this Friday. We have these Friday follow-up episodes. I'm gonna talk a little bit more in depth and give you even a, a more up-to-date look at what's been happening on, on my own channel in the space and how I'm taking a passion that I have and doing it in a way where I'm trying to balance it out and, and also create something new in the space. The growth has been pretty tremendous as well. I can't wait to share it with you. But again, you can listen to episode 464 if you wanna to listen to the start of that brand new channel for me. And again, check out PokeRev on YouTube. P-O-K-E-R-E-V, very family-friendly, very, very fun to watch, very, very, you know, out of this world if you've never been in this world before. And it's all free. It's it's really fun. So PokeRev, P-O-K-E-R-E-V. Thank you for listening. I appreciate you and looking forward to the next one. We'll see you Friday or next week. Cheers, take care, and as always, Team Flynn for the win. Thanks for listening to the Smart Passive Income Podcast at www.smartpassiveincome.com. So podcasting is obviously a big deal here at SPI. And today, I'm so excited to tell you about our newest podcast. Yes, a brand new podcast called Flops. Flops is all about exploring, celebrating, and normalizing failure in the entrepreneurial journey. Every entrepreneur experiences failure at some point, so I love that we're just facing it head on here. And the show is hosted by two members of the team, Karen and Ray, and in it, they talk to entrepreneurs who have had stumbles, setbacks, and flat-out failures. These guests are honest and generous with their stories, and I think they offer hope and encouragement for all other entrepreneurs out there because we all experience it, right? We all experience failure. For example, in the first episode, Ray talks to John who got caught up in a Ponzi scheme. It's a story with twists and turns that will keep you hooked. It's a great story. I highly recommend you check it out. But one thing I love about Flops is that it doesn't dwell on the failure. 
and it always finds a bright side. I really love it, and I think you will too. So the first season of Flops has already started with new episodes dropping on Wednesdays. You can find it on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, wherever you listen to podcasts. You can also listen at smartpassiveincome.com slash flops. Again, that's smartpassiveincome.com slash flops. I hope you enjoy it.